This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. In 2009, over 11,000 untested rape kits were discovered in a police department warehouse in Detroit. They were backlogged between 1984 and 2009. This was a huge scandal that rocked the community and also raised national attention on untested kits that contain evidence collected after a person says they were sexually assaulted. Now, since 2009, Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy has really been leading an effort to process those thousands of kits, and she's helped change state law to ensure that those types of kits are analyzed within 90 days. Now, more than a decade later, that backlog is starting to come to an end. Hundreds have been convicted as the prosecutor's office has reviewed all but 200 of those kits. And given that, we wanted to check in on this story. And to do that, we have brought in Bridge Detroit's reporter, Bryce Huffman, who's been following this story. Bryce, welcome to Mishmash. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's great to be here. So, Bryce, Walk us through quickly and as quickly as anybody can with something like this. How did this happen? What what went wrong here? Well, the easy answer is a lot of people who were in positions of power uh, didn't feel that these kits were a priority with stretched resources. Um, that's probably the answer you'll get from everyone who had any sort of say. It's, well, we didn't have the resources. You know, we had other issues to worry about. And that kind of explains uh, how the backlog built up over over decades. So, you know, thousands and thousands of backlog tests, years of testing, new laws. Uh, just talk about exactly what things were like when this was first announced and sort of how that's changed, how the community is feeling about this issue now. Yeah, back in 09, when the kits were first found, uh, it was a lot of embarrassment, you know, for the city, for the police department, um, and the county prosecutor even, and they wanted to correct that immediately. Uh, They saw that, you know, 11,341 kits went untested, and that is simply unacceptable to everyone, not only uh, law enforcement agencies and and the prosecutor, but also the victims and their families and people who wanted justice for um, all of these sexual assaults. Now it's a bit different. Um, Obviously, we've had a big cultural change. Um, People are really starting to call out things like rape culture um, and patterns that lead to more people being abused. So now uh, the uh, the reaction the community seems to be having now is, you know, they're happy that the kids are being tested. They're happy that it's led to hundreds of convictions, um, but they're still kind of skeptical of the people who let this happen. They are obviously like, don't let these types of things happen again. And it's kind of interesting in the time between when this was discovered and now we've had a lot of sort of reckoning with policing and with police force. We've had George Floyd and all these other cases. And Detroit has really, you know, been a part of that. How does that fit in? I mean, is this do people point to this and say this is, you know, another reason why we can't trust the police here? Or are they sort of rallying on the side of police to get this taken care of? Um, You'll find both. Um, And the thing is, the police department was absolutely part of the problem. Uh, They had a culture of not listening to victims, not taking them seriously, um, not viewing sexual abuse as important as it is and as serious as it is. Uh, And like you mentioned, there's been so many different cultural changes from a national perspective, from a statewide perspective, and certainly from a local perspective that has really made people understand that um, 
you can't have these sorts of things happen and get swept under the rug for so long. Uh, people now are in the attitude of if someone was sexually assaulted, we need to take care of these things right away. Um, and the police department even acknowledges their own role in that. And that's why now um, anyone who comes in and says they've been sexually assaulted uh, gets linked up with a social worker. So they can talk to someone who isn't wearing a gun and a badge, someone who doesn't necessarily come off as uh, a potential threat to them. Bryce, talk a little bit about uh, Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy's role in all this. Uh, she, she's been spearheading this for quite a while now. I remember years and years ago going to a press conference where she and then State Attorney General Bill Schuette, uh were really talking about how this was a big priority for them. Two people who don't agree on uh, a whole lot together politically, but in this <laughs> case, it was uh, something that they both wanted to sort of hang their, their reputations on. Uh, what has uh, Prosecutor Worthy been saying now that they're getting closer to the uh, sort of the end of this particular backlog and uh, what this means for for justice for the victims? It's interesting that you you pointed that out. Um, Kim Worthy's attitude on the matter hasn't changed since 09. Uh, she thought it was outrageous then that there were so many untested kits. Um, she thought it was outrageous when the state law even changed to process the kits faster. Um, she's been one of the most vocal people um, trying to get the kids tested and trying to get, you know, serial rapists off the streets and trying to get justice for as many victims as possible. Um, now that most of the kids are tested, she's not viewing it as a victory necessarily. She's viewing it more as we righted a, a very serious wrong. You mentioned briefly the the law that changed. I believe this was back in 2014. Um, and this was something that it seemed like at the time a lot of lawmakers were really trying to like grab onto it. It seemed it was very bipartisan. Everybody wanted their name to attach to it, attached to it because it seemed like, you know, such a good idea. And your reporting has this law really been working? Are, are uh, police officers being consistent with, you know, getting them tested within that 90 days? Uh, it's a twofold answer. So Yes, um, law enforcement agencies have been much better about getting kits processed faster. Uh, they have up to 14 days, and I think most law enforcement agencies I've spoken to try to get them processed even quicker, try to get them taken care of quicker than that. Um, the, the law has a little caveat, though, for the labs who are doing the testing. They have 90 days to process the kits if sufficient resources are available. So that does leave leeway for... Um, a lab to say, hey, we don't really have the money to do this. Um, you know, we need more funding. And that's why uh, federally there have been grants given to the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, uh, I believe back in 2017 and then again in 2019 to ensure that the kits can get processed as quickly as possible. So uh, long story short, yes, things are improving, but there's still a little bit of ways to go. And this is something that has impacted the entire state. This, to be clear to people, this is a you know a statewide law, and this and really what happened in Detroit had ramifications throughout the state. I believe I remember that multiple counties were looking, and they uncovered their own backlogs. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. It's not just the state of Michigan either. Um, this the DNA from these kits has touched investigations in 40 states, including, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. as a state. But uh, so, you know, it's not just Detroit's issue alone. It's not just a Michigan or a Wayne County issue. It's really a nationwide issue. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the story did make national headlines. So it had other police departments uh, doing their due diligence and checking their own backlogs. So um, while it was definitely an embarrassing moment for the city and for the police department to have so many untested kits, 
Um, and while it certainly isn't great for any of the victims or survivors who, you know, weren't receiving justice for that time, it did kind of push other people to do this work and to take these kids seriously and get them tested as quickly as possible. And Bryce, I, I, I want to make sure that I've got this right in terms of justice for the victims. You said that a lot of them uh, had been waiting for a long time for justice. Some of them, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, may never get that because of statute of limitations issues. I mean, these go back to the 80s. Um, what does that mean uh, for just sort of how catastrophic this error was for victims and for our justice system. Right. And uh, you, you pointed out something that is interesting. You know, some of these people might never get justice. Um, and I think when you look at um, from the Detroit Police Department's perspective, um, they understand that they have done some damage. Uh, they have hurt a lot of people. There's a lot of people, um, a lot of victims who, you know, frankly, don't want to cooperate investigations because, you know, they didn't have that good faith with the police department. So uh, that's something that you can't fix with a press conference or with announcing that the kits have been tested. That takes time to rebuild those relationships and, and rebuild trust in the community. And uh, yeah, I don't envy the people who have to try to do that. Uh, as far as the victims who you know may not ever receive justice, um, there's not really much of a silver lining, but with the number of convictions, and I think we're up to 224 so far, um, that does take a lot of serial rapists off the streets. Uh, and serial rapists, according to Worthy, are people who've raped uh, more than five women. Um, some of them rape 10, you know, even 15 or 20. So getting them off the streets really does help to prevent more people from being harmed. So even though there are people from 1984 who might never receive that immediate justice, um, they can maybe take at least a little bit of solace in the fact that uh, some of the perpetrators uh, who've affected many, many lives are behind bars. I'm, I'm curious in the course of your reporting on this issue, obviously this is something that's been going on for a long time, but was there anything that really struck you as you were doing interviews or really looking into these issues that was really surprising to you about your reporting? Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most as a um, as a journalist was just how many other police departments and agencies started finding their own backlogs. Um, I, when I, I remember hearing the story and I'm going to age myself a little bit, uh, I was, you know, in high school when it broke and I remember uh you know, hearing about it and reading about it as this Detroit problem, as a Wayne County problem. But as I've been doing this reporting, I'm starting to see, oh, this isn't just here. This is an this is a this is a systemic issue elsewhere. Um, and I think that's something that really kind of opened my eyes, especially when you see, you know, just how many different states have been affected just by the backlog that we found in this city. Do we have a sense at this point about what happens next? Like what, what happens here, especially policy-wise going forward? Are there discussions happening about n new ways to address this or, you know, change the laws that are on the books or even just uh, the policies that are in place in law enforcement agencies? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things Worthy mentioned to me is that she wants to make sure that prosecutors, judges, um, police officers all have better training to deal with people who have uh, experienced trauma. Because uh, like I mentioned earlier, one of the big cultural shifts that we saw 
was um, now we have this language to understand what people are showing us and what they're saying to us uh, and what they're uh, exhibiting, even if it's not necessarily what we might think of as um, uh, post-traumatic stress. So uh, that's something that I think we're gonna start seeing more cities and counties really start to uh, capitalize on is just getting people trained to know what they're seeing and know what they're experiencing uh, when they come into contact with people who have been sexually assaulted. Bryce Huffman is a reporter with Bridge Detroit. Bryce, thank you so much for one thing, for your incredible reporting on this topic and staying on top of this, uh, this, this issue that has been going on for so many years. Uh, and of course, also thanks for taking the time to join us today to talk about it. Of course, it's a really important story. So I'm glad that you all had me on to talk about it. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in. 